Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Meow. Meow? Oh, I know where you're going with this. Right. Well, first, let's go with a little listener mail. This listener mail comes to us from Ian, and Ian says, Hey, I was wondering if you could do a podcast about the new Mac operating system, Mac OS X Snow Leopard. Also, I was wondering about the iPhone on Verizon. I read some places that Verizon will carry the iPhone coming December 2009, but I'm not sure. But thanks, and I love your podcast. So clearly, you can tell already, Ian wrote us some time ago... This would be back in November uh, of 2009. It is now 2010, and uh, the iPhone is not on Verizon. Yet. Yet. There's still rumors about it. Um, as of the recording of this podcast, no official announcement, but we all suspect that that's where it's headed. 
Yeah, actually, uh, on the day they released the iPad, a lot of people as expected an announcement that uh, Apple would have finally decided to uh, open the iPhone up to a number of uh, cell phone providers, but um, that announcement hasn't still yet. hasn't happened. Yeah, imagine that. There's a big press release for one thing that Apple's doing, and people expect Apple to say something else. Now, in this case, I'm actually defending Apple, and I'm saying, shame on you, Apple fanboys. If Apple's going to explain something to you and, and unveil something to you, don't just sit there and get upset if it doesn't also tack on some other announcement that you're eager to hear. Well, you We know. see that happen over and over. I, I, I criticize Apple a lot. I won't lie. But – I feel for them when they come out and do a press event and, and everyone's like, oh, you know, it was awesome that you unveiled that totally new device that no one has ever seen before. But uh, what about this Verizon iPhone thing? Well, there's a that's pretty much fans of every tech. When they release something, they really want to see I don't know. all Maybe the goodies. I think it's the discretionary income that makes the Apple ones even worse. I don't know. You can but, write me at techstuff yeah. at howstuffworks.com. Yeah, and they will. I know. I'll get um, I own Apple products, so I know about this. Yes, yes. And I, I admit that, uh, you know, I'm like many eager to see what they're going to release, but, uh, you know, then there's no surprises if they do it all in one day. So I, I kind of don't mind so much if they, yeah, the this is kind of like spreading the holidays out throughout the year. But, but anyway, but as far as Snow Leopard goes, yes, let's, let's talk about that because we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast and, uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of an overview on the operating system. Now I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that we actually waited to do this and, uh, you know, and Windows 7, you know, we're doing these together. Um, because it's, it's kind of nice to see how consumers have accepted or in some cases not accepted, um, these newer versions of the operating systems for their respective machines. Now also gives us a chance to play with them a little bit yeah, so that, you know, we actually we, can talk about it. Right. A lot of times when people write in, they don't, they don't understand that most of the, most of the, uh, the new stuff you see in various blogs and on the news and things. We don't get that in advance. Well, that's because we don't do we don't do reviews at How Stuff Works. Traditionally, we talk about the technology underlying whatever it is that we're talking about. Right. So we don't. So we have a different and focus the thing is that, than like a CNET or right. Right. Manufacturers yeah. don't necessarily want to send us stuff because we're not going to be doing a review. So therefore, it doesn't make a lot of sense on their end to send us advanced copies of things. We do occasionally get them anyway, which mm-hmm. is great because we get to test it out. And you know, if, if we know that we don't have to return it, we can even take it apart. <laughs> yeah. Which we uh, have done in- by the way, taking it apart pretty much means it's done. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there's, th- this is like when, when the two year old takes apart a watch to see how it works. That's kind of how we are. Uh, there's no guarantee that it's going to come back together ever again. Yes. That poor Pleo <laughs> still can hear the screaming. Yeah. So in the case of, in the case of Snow Leopard, um, this is, uh, the, the, Latest version, 10.6 to come out of, uh, Apple after, uh, this dates back to the early 2000s. Um, the Apple OS 10 is, uh, the result of, um, the deal when Apple reacquired, um, Steve Jobs. I mean, <laughs> they acquired, uh, the next computer system, right. um, which was actually heralded as a very, uh, high tech, uh, competitor. Back in the uh, the 1990s, mm-hmm. um, Steve Jobs started the company after uh, leaving Apple, and uh, you know the uh, the machines that ran it, the the operating system known as Next Step, were um, were really kind of for tech heads uh, because it it ran on a um, on a different kernel. It ran on on BSD, which is what um, which is what uh, OS 10 runs on. 
deep, deep inside the operating system. I know we took it apart and can't get it back together again. Um, but uh, so this is OS 10 has been evolving and this is the sixth formal version of it, major formal version of it. Um, it's actually been updated a couple times since last fall when it was released. Um, but unlike previous versions, we were talking about the uh, the Apple press conferences when everybody goes nuts about the latest and greatest thing. Um, Snow Leopard is sort of a different sort of operating system because the update was released with no new features, sort of. Yeah. Because everybody expects the new... You know, little programlet that they put in there, which allows you to do some great thing, you know, or widgets or, you know, some other cool some thing. You, function, I want to play right? with this yeah, yeah, yeah. gizmo that they've thrown into the OS this time, um, which is good for marketing, too, because, you know, it helps them go, hey, well, you know, if you buy it this way. Um, Snow Leopard, which, you know, they've been using these cat names. Right. Uh, the one two times before it was Tiger, but the one previous... 10.5 was leopard. So, so this Snow is a leopard, different kind of leopard. Right. Snow leopard was kind of an indication that this was, uh, this was a, a refinement yeah. of and the previous version and not, not like a, a huge jump ahead. And, and that, and that really was what it was. It's a, it's an incremental step ahead. Um, the big, big difference, uh, again, this is not exciting in a lot of ways, you know, especially if you're looking for some flashy new bell or whistle that you can show off to your friends. The biggest difference is, now the the kernel, which is a very very basic part of the operating system, is a 64-bit kernel, um, which means it it takes advantage of a lot more processing power than other previous versions of the operating system. Um, this is good because they're incrementally moving up uh, bit by bit. Sorry for the pun. Um, to be able to take advantage of uh, more advanced microprocessors. Um, and a lot of the refinements in Snow Leopard are like that too. Like things like Grand Central Dispatch, which, um, essentially manages processing threads so that they are run by your processor more efficiently. Uh, and OpenCL, which is a technology that uses your graphics processor. It's not doing something like, say, for example, you were running, um, uh, editing a video. You're going to need your graphics processor chip to do a lot of that, uh, to do a lot of that work. But if you're working on something else that doesn't require a lot of graphics processing, OpenCL will uh, basically say, you know, commandeer your your graphics processor chip, which is, you know, a different kind of microprocessor dedicated to graphics, um, and will co-opt that and say, come here, I need you to do these other things until you're busy with something else. And and basically the, the operating system is handling processing threads more efficiently than it was before. But that's not really all that sexy, you right. know? And... Uh, and there's not that much to show for it. You know, you can't go, hey, look at this thing, because really it's the yeah. same kind it of thing. It looks almost exactly like the thing it was before. Um, yeah, some people have actually gone so far as to criticize Apple and call Snow Leopard a service pack yeah. to, to Leopard. And that it could have it could have just been released as an, an upgrade to Leopard without having justifying you know its own name and and mm-hmm. and uh but then other reviewers are a little more kind uh toward Apple and and I think justifiably so. I think there is enough there to justify a separate purchase price mm-hmm. for Snow Leopard. It's not like the changes are all so subtle that you wouldn't even, you would never notice them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did tweak several of the applications within Snow Leopard so that it, 
they run a little better. They have a few more features. Again, nothing as revolutionary as a brand new feature that is going to blow everyone's socks off. Right. But um, applications that can do more than they did in the previous versions. So things like uh, Stacks or, or, or even the Mail and the iCal mm-hmm. features had more functionality than they did in previous versions. And enough of it so that um, if you were upgrading from Leopard to Snow Leopard, the the price was not prohibitively uh, prohibitively expensive, not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. No, we're talking uh, un- unlike the previous uh, upgrades to the operating system, which cost one hundred and twenty nine dollars. Uh, Snow Leopard is twenty nine dollars. Yeah. Now that's for people. That's for people who have Leopard. Right. If you have Tiger or a previous version, um, you're supposed to be paying the full price. But if you go into an Apple store and say, I'm upgrading from Leopard to Snow Leopard, it's not like they're going to ask you to bring your machine in and prove it. As it turns out from uh, now, I was I upgraded my machine from Leopard to Snow Leopard, so I didn't have to worry about that. Um, But as it turns out, apparently you can even format a drive with one of the twenty nine dollar disks. It doesn't ask you if you have Leopard or automatically detect whether you have Leopard on your uh, operating system. Now, before any of you rush computer. out there to upgrade your your old, old, old Mac into to Snow Leopard, uh-huh. there's something very important you need to know about this operating system. Especially if you're running a PowerPC-based Mac. specifically what you need to know. If you are running a PowerPC-based Mac, which is... Uh, uh, Those are the older chips, the microprocessors yeah. from uh, Motorola and IBM. Uh, if, you, if you're running one of those... Uh, Snow Leopard will not work on your machine. It is not designed for that that processor, and Mm -hmm. you won't be able to run it. Even if you were to uh, go out there and and fool Apple and pay the 29 bucks for it, it would just be a useless piece Mm -hmm. of software to you. Yep. Now, um, in general, benchmarking tests uh, have shown that all these processor improvements may not necessarily be all that improved. In fact, some of them may some for some processes, Snow Leopard may actually perform uh slower, mm-hmm. more poorly, I guess you could say, or um or if you prefer, Leopard is more efficient than Snow Leopard for some processes. At least it's faster. I think there are a number of reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Uh one is that a lot of Apple um, software for, let's say this, a lot of software for Mac OS X um, is running in 32-bit mode. And your Snow Leopard installation will too, unless you specifically tell it you want to uh, to start up in 64-bit mode. At this point, uh, if you boot up your Mac running Snow Leopard, uh, it will boot into 32-bit mode unless you hold down the 6 and the 4 key at the same time as you are booting it up. And you have to hold it down until it boots, and then it is running 64-bit mode. And it doesn't actually tell you this because I tried it, and I'm going, okay, is it, did you is, show? Is it, There's no window goes, hey. Yeah. Um, however, uh, some of the older programs um, may be running 32-bit. They may not necessarily take advantage of the multiprocessor uh, functionality that you can use in Snow Leopard. And they may be running, um, you know, for a while now, they've been running universal code, which means it can run on a PowerPC chip or an Intel chip. And if it's running with those, you know, that's basically going to slow down the piece of software. It's not optimized to work with that machine. I think in time, you'll find that, I mean, this is just based on my own experience and what I happen to know. Um, I think in time, more programs that are written to take advantage of these things in Snow Leopard will uh, 
you know, when you benchmark those against earlier versions of the software, you're going to see that these programs uh, do better. But I think when they first did those benchmarking tests, there were probably some uh, some issues with that. Sure, sure. I, I'm, I'm just guessing here. Well, I mean, and you know, I know that those things like universal binaries, fat binaries, those are the, the programs that have code in them to run on more than one processor chip. I know for a fact uh, that those are in general slower. Right, and and some of the applications that uh, like the QuickTime application um, felt a lot different than the earlier ones for things like Leopard and. Mm-hmm. Um, the user interface on Snow Leopard is is kind of a little more snazzy and and has a bit more uh, sex appeal to it, I guess you could say. Um, so, I mean, there are some cosmetic differences as well. It's not it's not all just under the hood. And uh, if that matters to you, then of course that that becomes a selling point. Um, if you're like me and you've gotten to the point where you don't really care what your computer looks like as long as stuff works the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, in fact. Actually, I'll, I'll I'll go even further. If you end up doing a dance of joy because your computer actually did something that you told it to do, mm-hmm. then then how good it looks may not really matter to you very much. But it it matters a lot during press conferences. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. Now, um, you know, if you uh, there are other things that you uh, are probably gonna be interested in if you're still considering upgrading to Snow Leopard. Um, you know, if you do have, uh, an Intel machine, generally anything in the last four years is Intel, uh, based machine. Um, you know, it's, it, there are some, some things that, uh, that you'll enjoy. Uh, there's a new version of QuickTime that come, that came with it. Um, right. it does, it's very nice. I really enjoy that. Um, and, uh, it, it tends to update things like, uh, networking, um, uh, automatically detects whether or not there are new drivers for your printer, which is nice. Um, it can even identify which printers are closer to you. If you are working in an office that has Mac, um, it might be able to tell uh, the laser printer around the corner versus the one down the hall, um, which is kind of neat. Again, these are just little incremental improvements that I think would be nice if every operating system had them. So it's you know, not, not so flashy, to, uh... but... Nice to have. Attempt to install Safari on your computer, no matter how many times you scream, I don't want that operating or that uh, web browser. Oh yeah, uh, there's a uh, the new version of Safari, uh, Safari that yeah. came with uh, Snail yeah. Of course, that's pretty much true. I think for I know I know oh. there are a lot of people out there who really do like the Safari web browser, and they've they're accustomed to its uh, user interface. Uh, and I know I, I I joke about how much I hate the Safari uh, web browser, so I just want to be serious here for a minute. Mm-hmm. I really hate Safari web browser, but uh, you know, hey, if you like it, that's cool. I'll, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna keep using my yeah. little Firefox over here until yeah. they get Chrome to the point where it actually is good on the Mac. That's a that's a, a, a jab at Google. Actually, uh, I uh, I used Chrome on my Mac at home, running Snow Leopard, and it's uh, it's been a very positive. Well, I, experience. I'm running it on Tiger, and it's oh, not. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, mm. it works very nicely on Snow Leopard. I'll have to go and lie to Apple. Dang, I should not have recorded this podcast. <laughs> um, well, here's something that we need to mention. I can't believe we've gone this long without mentioning it. Or maybe you did, and I just zoned out. Okay. Exchange support. Ah, uh, yes. Built in. Yes. To Snow Leopard. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's a big deal because Exchange is one of those uh, major, major um, uh, platforms that Lots of corporations use for things like email. Well, it's funny because uh, 
not to take a, a swipe at Microsoft at all, um, because in, in a lot of ways I like Entourage, which is the uh, uh, mail program that comes with Office for Mac. Um, the new version of Office for Mac will actually come with Outlook, which is good because Entourage is uh, dead. Well, Entourage's um, support for the Exchange server is if you're not actually – okay, here's the thing. If you're not actually on the network, um, it doesn't really – do all that much supporting. Right. Whereas with mail, uh, which is mail.app is the, uh, the Mac email program that comes with the OS. Um, you can actually put in your exchange server information, basically like your email address and, and, uh, you know, some simple user information. It automatically detects, um, the exchange server and goes ahead and, and downloads your information. Now, I think this is being done, uh, you know, and there has to be, some cooperation on the part of the exchange server for this to work, but it does work and it does work automatically, which is nice. Um, you know, I've had the same experience on, uh, evolution mail for Linux, which is pretty cool because you're going, okay, well, how come some of Microsoft's own products don't interface with the exchange server as well as these others do? But, um, no but it is comment. nice to have. Yeah. And, uh, before we, I guess move into the final section here. Mm-hmm. There were some problems with Snow Leopard when it launched. Absolutely. Uh, there were some applications that were uh, compatible with the predecessor, with mm-hmm. Leopard, mm-hmm. that no longer worked properly or in some cases did not work at all in Snow Leopard. Yeah. Well, this, this could be said, or I should, you know, with a grain of salt, this actually could be said of virtually any OS upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty so much any time not... you're going to have anything beyond a, a, a minor patch. Yeah. You run the risk of, uh, of changing the operating system enough so that applications that were built on the old set of parameters will no longer work properly. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just, you can't really blame uh, Apple for that. You can't. You definitely can't blame the developers because it's yeah. not like they can see in the future and see w- exactly what Apple's going to build into the next generation of the operating system. Um, it's just it's one of those things that, upon the release of any operating system, new operating system, you're going to see some instances of that. And uh, really, you got a couple of options. One is you just wait to adopt a new operating system until most of those bugs get ironed out. Yeah, a lot of times they they say to. Uh to wait for a dot release, which is in this case 10.6.1. Right. Um, where they've, they've you... addressed some of those problems mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. um, it may even be where you end up having to download a patch for the, the particular application as opposed to the operating system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all depends on, on who gets there first, really. But, uh, the other option is you go ahead and you adopt the new operating system and you just cope with the fact that you're not going to have access to some of the applications. Um, that you might otherwise expect because they were running fine on your machine before. Mm-hmm. These weren't necessarily major applications that were, that got a lot of use from your average user, but, uh, but power users, people who had very specific, um, uh, reasons for using a Mac might have encountered that with various programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I had some, I had some hiccups when I first switched over. Um, one thing that I can recommend to you, uh, if you're going to switch your computer from, one operating system of any kind to the other. Again, this is, you know, true for pretty much everything. Uh, back up your computer first. Yes. Um, even, even doing an incremental release, moving from, uh, Leopard to Snow Leopard, or, you know, if you're upgrading from Vista to Windows 7, um, you can't count on it always being a smooth installation. Um, you know, even I, I heard some complaints of people who moved from, uh, Ubuntu 9.04 to 9.10. You just, 
you know, you never know when their your driver's going to go away or, you know, suddenly something's going to go awry and you can't access a certain kind of file or, um, heaven forbid, uh, you know, a, uh, your hard drive gets completely, uh, smashed, not literally, but, you know, it, it completely obliterates the information in your hard drive, which has happened in some instances. Mm-hmm. So always good to back up your data. And here's, here's something that's also kind of, uh, an interesting comparison between the, uh, the Mac OS and its chief competitor, which would be Microsoft's Windows product. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Microsoft machines, when you go and buy a new Mac, and I'm talking about a new one, not a, not a refurbished one or a used right. one, you're not buying it off Craigslist, you're going into the Apple store and you're buying it. Uh, whatever Mac machine you're picking up, you're going to be getting the, the latest version of that software. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. what that's because they're going to upgrade everything. So the day that the Snow Leopard uh, operating system w- went gold on the shelves, it was also what was available as soon as you walked into the store to buy a new Mac. Or at least they'd give you a copy of it. Right. Yeah. If it wasn't already pre-installed in the machine, they would give you a copy and you yeah. could you could upgrade it. But uh on a Windows machine, you could go into a store and because this is all from various manufacturers, not not a single manufacturer like it is from Apple. Uh, you could find machines that might be running Windows 7 or Vista or even XP. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, they would just give you the option of, do you want this machine on XP or Vista? Uh, back, back before Windows 7 came out, you would even, there were some that the machines came standard with Vista, but you could actually choose to downgrade the machine to XP, which a lot of people did. Um, but yeah, you can still find, Machines in stores that are running various versions of, of, uh, Windows because it's not a unified front like it is with Apple. Mm-hmm. Also, of course, as we pointed out in our Windows 7 podcast, which may or may not have, have, uh, published before this one, it was recorded before this one, but we don't, we never know which one's publishing next. Yes. Uh, because Apple controls this process from beginning to end, there's usually a, um, it's usually a more stable, uh, release than, an operating system like Windows is because mm-hmm. uh, Apple knows all the different players in this game. They know what the video cards are going to be. They know what the sound cards are going to be. They, they know what the resolution of the screen is going to be. Uh, they know every aspect that's going to go into the hardware that's going to handle this operating system, assuming mm-hmm. you're not using a Hackintosh. Right. Right. Assuming you're using an Apple-approved machine to run this operating system. Uh, which means that it's going to run the way it's supposed to run unless something is fundamentally flawed with the actual operating system. Right. Um, Windows, Microsoft, they don't have that luxury because Microsoft creates an operating system that can run on essentially any sort of machine that meets a basic set of, uh, of, um, stats. Right. Like a basic, you know, a, a bare minimum processor and a bare minimum amount of memory, that kind of stuff. Once it hits that, then theoretically, the Microsoft product should be able to run on it. But as we all know, depending on what elements you have in your computer, it may or may not run properly because mm-hmm. Microsoft can't predict what video card's going to be in there, what sound card. Sometimes video cards and sound cards will have uh, uh, incompatibilities with each other or with a, a certain kind of processor. And Microsoft has no control over any of those elements. That's all a manufacturer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so the experience of purchasing a Mac com- uh, computer is is different from Windows. It's why you often will hear uh, Apple uh, customers say, "You know why I want a Mac? Because it just works." Yeah, and it's because Apple has controlled that whole process. Um, 
it's still a matter of debate whether or not the Mac OS is superior to a Windows OS. That's really kind of a, a personal taste thing, I think. Um, it's hard to be super objective about it. I mean, you could you could argue based on how well they perform similar tasks. Mm-hmm. You could do a benchmark test that way. But uh, they both have such a, a unique user interface to to their own uh, experience that um, I think it does come down to a matter of personal taste. Also, if you're a video gamer or not. Yeah. If you're a gamer, uh, it's still a PC world. There are a lot of great games out there for the Mac, but it's just a subset, really, of some of the games that you'll find for the PC. Well, uh, Snow Leopard does include support for Boot Camp yes, or which other. Yes, allow you to boot into Windows. Yes. Or, for that matter, Linux. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can install, uh, Windows alongside your Mac OS X. Yeah. Essentially, it's, so. yeah, you can, you could boot into Windows instead of, uh, the Mac OS yes. on your Mac and then run various, uh, uh Windows oriented software. Yes. Earlier, uh, earlier I misspoke a little bit, I think, uh, when I said <laughs> rather boldly that I know for a fact that binary applications are uh, slower to run. Um, that's not necessarily true. Well, some of them are. Um, but the chances are, uh, chances are pretty good that they're going to run about the same on, um, Power PC and Intel chips. Uh, however, the programs themselves are going to be uh, bigger because they have more code in them. Essentially, you know, because they have to have code that takes advantage of either processor, right? Um, and you know, some of the files they create may or may not be a little larger as a result. But uh, suffice it to say that uh, a program written for just one processor type of processor is going to be more efficient. Uh, you know, it'll be smaller. It'll be uh, you know, le- there's less code in there. It's going to take sort of like more, less, less moving parts. The yeah. Chances are are good that it's going to be uh, make your computer more efficient on the on the long run, and I think that's uh, the benefit there. But yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. They <laughs> all forever and ever are well, uh, are larger, but it's, it's some good, of them are. It's a good point for technology, just in technology in general. As technology advances and we and we move uh, into more advanced forms of processors, like you go from 32 bit to 64 bit to 128 bit, and it will um, happen. Uh, you, the every person, every person, every company or organization or developer has to face a question, which is, do I develop this application or this operating system even mm-hmm. uh, that uh, so that it will work on multiple kinds of processors? Or do I just make the choice to abandon the older processors and say, if you're not running this kind of machine, this this application is off limits to you? Um, it's a tough choice to make because you know you limit your audience if you decide to to uh, cut out uh, a portion of the customer base that mm-hmm. happens to be running older machines. On the other hand, it makes the development process much easier, and it also keeps your code to a more manageable level. The more you have to support various kinds of uh, of hardware, whether it's different processors or whatever, uh, the harder and more complex your development process is going to be. Just in general, rule of thumb. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I, even saying that, I think most people would be like, "Well, yeah." yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's worth saying. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Um, I think to uh, thinking back on it, I, I've seen. You know, we need to wrap up, but uh, it's. Uh, I, I've seen generally positive reviews, especially once the uh, the initial dust up over. Well, hey, this thing doesn't work with Snow Leopard 
past, you know, once they had some, some incremental releases. I know I've had a smoother experience in the last few months than I did when I first switched over because I did have a couple applications that needed to be updated so that they would work properly. Um, but, you know, people don't really talk about Snow Leopard. That's one of the downsides of having this very, you know, in general positive uh, incremental release. But, you know, Windows 7 has generated a lot of buzz. Um, well, it's they, also it rapidly shot up to 10% of the, the uh, market share. And uh, Snow Leopard, there's just not a lot to generate buzz around. Well, it's also just that the user base for Macs is, is smaller than That's for true PCs. Too. I mean, it's not that they are any less passionate. In fact, I would argue that, that real Mac fans tend to be some of the most passionate uh, electronics consumers out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there aren't as many of them. So yeah. I think that's part of it. Um, like you said, uh, it, part of it was also that it wasn't a huge leap forward, although it was a lot of improvements. But everything I've seen has essentially said it's worth the thirty bucks. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, you know, it's a it's a good release. It's stable. It's uh, if you're considering upgrading and your computer is capable of it at this point, um, you know, it's an affordable upgrade and will get you ready for the sorry for the Apple pun next step all right we're gonna wrap this up now okay partially because of that pun and also because we are reaching the amount of time we spent on windows 7 and this way we can avoid accusations of favoritism okay so if you want to write us any comments or questions or you just want to yell at me because i don't know enough about apple uh send that email tech stuff at howstuffworks.com i read every single one of them and yes you do hurt my feelings when you call me names uh, if you would like, check out nice. our blogs. They are very informative. We have a live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. And go to the website, HowStuffWorks.com. Check it out. Take some of the quizzes. They're actually a lot of fun. I've been doing them recently. I got 10 out of the 10 on the kissing quiz. Uh, okay, I'm not going there. Well, I wasn't asking you to. At any rate, you guys take care. And uh, that's for all of you out there. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.